Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. For several weeks now, we've been in a series called A Transformed Life. Uh, Today, I I want to talk to you about the fact that a new life begins with water baptism into God's name and, and how water baptism is that first step that we take when Jesus Christ has transformed and changed our lives. For several weeks, we've started with this text of Scripture in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and, and I just want to comment on it after we read it. And, and this is what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome. He said, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. How many of you can say that you have a new life because of Jesus Christ? I mean, you can look. You can look back on your past. You can look back on the person you were previous to the the time in your life that you believed, and you can see a difference. You can see a change. You recognize you're you're not perfect, you don't have your act together, but you recognize something happened internally, something happened inside of you, something happened in your thinking, your view of the world, your love for God, your love for neighbor. You notice that things have changed. How many of you recognize that? I love how C.S. Lewis puts it because he he captures the idea of process. And and, and this is the beauty of a new life in Jesus Christ. There there is a time in our life, whether we came to that time gradually or it happened suddenly, there is a time in our life when we kind of have the B.C. and the A.D., right? We have the before Christ and the after, but, but even up to that point and then afterwards, sometimes the progress in our life and growth is, is really slow, and, and, and sometimes when we look at ourselves, we, we feel discouraged, right? We don't see the kind of growth that we want to see. Well, C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, and I love this, it's a great quote, he said, God became man to turn creatures into sons and daughters, not simply to produce better people of the same old kind, but to produce a new kind of person. It's not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got its wings, it will soar over fences which could never have been jumped and thus beat the natural horse at its own game. But there may be a period while the wings are just beginning to grow when it cannot do so. And at that stage, the lumps on the shoulders, no one could tell by looking at them that they were going to be wings, may even give it a bit of an awkward appearance. How many of you feel like you're a lumpy horse? <laughs> right, you got lumps on your shoulders and you're not quite at the stage of wings, but I want to encourage you, if you know Jesus Christ and you have a new life in Jesus Christ, you are in the process of sprouting wings. Amen? And I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. See, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have a new and a transformed life. That life is actually within you. It's the life of the Holy Spirit. And what water baptism is, is a public declaration of that new life. It's us standing in front of the whole world and saying, I'm following Jesus Christ in my life because He has given me a new life. I'm not the person I used to be, I'm a new person. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the powerful act that water baptism is, and I want you to see that 
once you've trusted in Jesus Christ, once you've said, Jesus, rescue me from the power of sin and death, once that has happened, the first step that you take in order to follow through, you follow Jesus. He's your pattern. He's the pattern son, and we're sons and daughters. And the pattern son was baptized, and we follow the pattern son into the waters of baptism, and we declare before the whole world, I'm a new person. I'm not the person I used to be. See the lumps on my shoulders? Amen? So, uh, my, my first point, if you're a point taker, is this. Those who trust in Jesus Christ, and this is very simple, those who trust in Him get water baptized. I want you to see Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, and this is in the Christian Standard Bible. Notice what it says. And Jesus is speaking to His disciples on, on the day that we would call the Great Commission, and we're going to look at a couple of texts of the, as the, of the Great Commission, excuse me. Uh, a little explanation for you if you're not familiar with that term is, you know, Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life as a man and was crucified unjustly and then was buried in a tomb and then three days later rose from the dead bodily and was alive. And then over the next 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to his followers many, many times. And, and at the end of that 40-day period of appearing to his followers and showing them that he was alive, he stood on a mountain with up to 500 of his disciples, his apprentices, his followers. And he gave them what we call the Great Commission. And if you have a military background, you understand that to be commissioned is to be sent with authority. You have the nation, you have that commander-in-chief, you have all that military behind you, all the authority of the kingdom or the society or the culture that you're representing is behind you so that as you go out to do what you've been called to do, you are backed. Well, Jesus gave His disciples authority, and He sent them into their world that they might bring good news. And so, He's standing on the mountain, and this is one of the accounts from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, and He says this, and then He told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That's strong, strong language. And what I want you to notice is that when a person believes, they respond to that belief by being baptized. So baptism is a response to belief. When I have trusted, I now follow. I follow the pattern, and Jesus is the pattern. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see this same great commission. And it says this in, in verse 18, it says, Jesus came, remember he's on a mountaintop, 500 disciples or so around him, he's giving them his final instructions, he's about to literally in front of their eyes ascend into heaven, and he wants them to understand what is about to take place. In fact, he tells them, go to Jerusalem in another place, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to receive power. And 10 days after this event, 10 days after giving, him the, giving them this commission, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so before that happens, though, he gives them what's known as the Great Commission, and he tells them in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Now, before we move forward, I want you to think about that statement. I want you to think about countries. I want you to think about corporations. I want you to think about your boss. I want you to think about your household. 
I want you to think about all the authority that every day on this planet is exercised. All the authority in creation that is being exercised, either being exercised well in a way that represents what the king is like, or being represented poorly in a way that distorts his character and his nature. I want you to understand that all the authority that exists in all of creation is the authority that belongs to Jesus Christ alone. And that He is over all of creation, both that which is heavenly and that which is earthly. He's over all the fallen angels and all the angels of heaven. He's over the entire universe. He's over the laws that govern the universe. He's over, He is called in Colossians, the very presence or glue of creation. In Him, all things consist. He's the one in whom all things hold together. This Jesus Christ is the King of every King, the Lord of every Lord, and the authority of every authority. Everything belongs to Him. All the earth and everything contained in it belongs to Him, Psalm 24 tells us. The Scripture tells us that when Jesus ascended on high and sat at the right hand of the Father, He asked the Father for all the nations of the world, and the Father granted Him that request. The book of Revelation tells us that there will come a time when when we will all say and we'll recognize with Him that He is the Lord of all the nations, that He's the one over all creation, that He's the ultimate authority. When that which He has purchased with His own blood and redeemed back to Himself, when it all becomes His, not only by possession and legally, as it were, but it becomes His in truth. When every molecule of creation is redeemed and restored, that's when we'll see and we'll know that Jesus is Lord over all. Come on, I'm trying to preach some encouragement into you. Because I'm telling you, if you look at the stuff going on on this planet sometimes, you can say, it sure don't look like it's under the authority of Jesus, but I assure you it is. And a day's coming, a reckoning, when He's going to make everything right, and all that's been twisted and distorted and wrong is going to be put back in its place by His loving, benevolent rule. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, back back to the story here, verse 19. Therefore, now I want you to notice that he gives them the command out of the reality that he has all authority. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And, and, and what I want you to see is that disciple is kind of under, it's an umbrella term. So from this point on, disciple in a very simple way is defined for us. So it's the umbrella. So I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all the nations. And then this is what you do baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is making it very clear in this text that we are to baptize. Once people have said, yes, Jesus, we are to baptize people because they've said, yes, Jesus. And then we are to instruct and to teach. And the promises, as we go about doing that, He's going to personally be present with us. And that's the greatest promise of all. Amen? If the Lord be with you and for you, who can be against you? So the great commission of Jesus shows us that part of making a disciple is the public act of being baptized. The word disciple means to be taught by a master. A disciple is an apprentice to one who is advanced and who has mastered a particular discipline or lifestyle. 
According to Jesus, the main job of Christians, listen, according to Jesus, the main job of Christians is disciple making. Devoted disciples then get water baptized. So all of us that are followers of Jesus in this room, the main calling we have for the rest of our life is that we be making disciples, making apprentices. And then part of that process is, right, getting them baptized and then teaching them the ways of God. I love this story uh, Raymond McHenry shares in Stories for the Soul. He says, when Texas pastor Jim Dennison was in college, he served as a summer missionary in East Malaysia. While there, he attended a small church. At one of the church's worship services, a teenage girl came forward to announce her decision to follow Jesus and be baptized. During the service, Dennison noticed some worn-out luggage leaning against the wall of the church building. He asked the pastor about that luggage. The pastor pointed to the girl who had just been baptized and told Dennison. He said, her father said that if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never go home again. So she brought her luggage. See, that's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And that's hard for us in Western countries to understand that because we, we can follow Jesus at very little cost. It's, that's becoming you know, less and less the case. But there's very little cost to our decision to follow Jesus. But I remember hearing years ago, David Miner, one of my, my, my mentors in my life, was sharing with me how he was overseas and he was talking to pastors in countries where Christians were persecuted and they were bringing up the point that, that it was okay for many of them to go to a crusade. They could go to a crusade, they could raise their hand, they could say, I want to follow Jesus, and, and, and it could be literally thousands of people raising their hands, going to the altar, and, and for the most part, the culture at large wasn't bothered by that. Make a decision, because typically what happened is they'd make a decision because they were at this big event, and then they would go back and they would end up falling into their old lives. But he said, when it really became noticeable that something changed was when they made the decision to be water baptized. For when they made a decision to be water baptized, they were often cut off by their families, persecuted, pursued unto death, or had to lose everything and flee. Because it was at water baptism that they said to the whole world, I, I belong to Jesus of Nazareth alone. He's my Savior and my Lord. And there is no other religion, no other um, government authority, no other philosophy, no other ideology that lays a claim to my heart, my devotion, my will, only Jesus Christ. In that act of baptism, that's what they declared. And everybody was like, okay, you're no longer a Muslim. You're no longer a Hindu. You're no longer an atheist. You're no longer these things. Now you are a Christ follower, and that's not okay right here. And that's what happened to this girl. She made a decision. She brought her luggage. Did you bring your luggage today? That takes me to the second point, and it's, it's simple, but through baptism, we identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 6, 3, and 4, I started with this text. I want you to notice it again. Verse 3, or have you forgotten, I, I love the language there, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. Did you know you joined Jesus in his death? How many of you knew that? Let's continue. 
where did I go? Okay, verse 4, for we died. I want you to notice the past tense language. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Wow. Think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, He took your death. He died in your place. When we're baptized, we acknowledge that we are dying with Christ and being identified with Him. We're buried with Him. We're identified with Him. What's it mean to identify? It means to associate closely with, to have a strong link with something or to someone, to equate ourselves with someone or something. When we get water baptized, we establish a strong link with Jesus Christ in His life, death, burial, and resurrection. We equate our new life to that event. When we are baptized, it's almost like we are experiencing, think about this, when we get baptized, it's almost like we are experiencing the only death and judgment we will ever experience for our sin. See, when we're water baptized, we see ourselves dying with Jesus, right? We're going to be over here in a few minutes, and people are going to be in this tank, and they're going to go under the water. And as they go under the water, they're laid in a tomb, a watery tomb, yes. After several people got baptized in the first service, a little bit of a dirty, watery tomb. (laughs) And they're going to lay their old life down, and they're going to come out of the water, And as they come out of the water, they're going to emerge in a way for all of us, a portrait for all of us to recognize that this is what happens in the Christian life, that you die and you live again. And when you come out of the water, you're a new kind of person. See, by faith, we see our former person and our former life dying in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see a new kind of life being born anew in us. We see our sin being judged. Think about this. We see our sin being judged in the death of Jesus. He pays the penalty that we deserve for our sin, and in baptism we experience our death and our judgment for sin. When we emerge out of the waters of baptism, we emerge in resurrection life like Jesus did when He rose again. So in effect... When we're water baptized, because we are in Christ, see the scripture teaches two things when you become a follower of Christ. He, by His Spirit, comes to dwell inside of you. He changes you. He regenerates you. You have a regenesis. There's a renewal. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. But simultaneously, you are taken and you're put into Christ. So that you are actually enveloped by Him and by His presence and you have a new quality of life, a new kind of life within you and you are within that new kind of life. And so as you're going into His death, you you see 2,000 years ago as He hung on the cross and was crucified, taking on your pain, your suffering, your death, you were hung inside of Him. And as He was buried in that tomb, You were buried in Him in that tomb. And when He came out of that tomb, you came out of that tomb with Him. He looked down through 2,000 years of time and for the joy set before Him on that cross, He saw you. He set His gaze and His affections upon you and He included you in His life. Amen. So when we're water baptized, we're showing the whole world this is what we believe. This is who we've believed in. 
I get pretty excited. I don't know about you. That's, that's pretty cool. We can go ahead and have the worship team come at this point. And I want to, I want to end with this thought. And don't let them distract you. I know they're amazing people, but don't let them distract you, okay? But listen to this. Early Christians called baptism a sacramentum, which is the Latin word for the Roman soldier's oath of absolute devotion and obedience to his general. Did you catch that? Let me say that again. Early Christians called baptism a sacramentum because it's the Latin word for a Roman soldier's oath of absolute devotion and obedience to his general. What are we saying? We have a new general. Amen? Amen. There's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) And his name is Jesus. And he's the ultimate authority. He would say to the powers of darkness... There's not, there's not enough room in this town for two of us. Uh, he's coming to take over these lives. And we belong to Him. We're His. He purchased us, not with gold, not with silver, but with precious blood. Think about that. Precious blood. Precious blood.